That's right. Everybody have a seat. Good morning and welcome. That wasn't a that wasn't a corrective voice tone, but everybody find a seat, place to sit down. Good morning. It's Christmas Eve, and I, I was just thinking, you know, I, we can pretty much guarantee that Irving Berlin was not a Texan, because if he were a Texan, he would have written the words, "I'm dreaming of a wet Christmas," because we all know we are very grateful for the fact that we are catching up here at the end of the year for the rain that we missed all during the year. And if you've lived around these parts long enough, you know to never take rain for granted because you never know when it will be several months before you see it again. Speaking of seeing, it is good to see you this morning. Realize that this week, these days, are some of the busiest um, in the lives of family. There are parties, there's family gatherings, there's cooking, there's eating, there's eating, and probably some more eating. I mean, if you were hoping to buy um, tortilla chips, sorry, ATB was almost out. I think they're probably out of eggs. They may have restocked today. But hopefully you've done your shopping, your presents are under the tree, and you were here this morning um, with a heart anticipating to um, lift up and exalt um, the name of Jesus as we celebrate um, his coming, his death, his resurrection and his soon coming return. So we just hope you join in. The songs will be familiar this morning. And whether you're listening online or you're here in person, we are glad you are here. So welcome to Cross Timber. All right. If everybody will stand with us, we'll sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. 
go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Shepherds kept there watching for silent flocks by night.
Thank you. Please be seated. If you'd like to follow along, I invite you to find um, your place to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll begin reading there from verse 5 after I read a couple of verses in Galatians chapter 4, and you can just find one or the other and follow along as best you can. But before we, we do that, I'd like to share a poem with you. Um, it's written by a British poet. His name's Malcolm Geit, and the title is Christmas on the Edge. Christmas sets the center of the edge, the edge of town, the outhouse of the inn, the fringe of empire, far from privilege, and power on the edge and outer spin of turning worlds, a margin of small stars that edge a galaxy itself light years from some unguessed at cosmic origin. Christmas sets the center at the edge. And from this day our world is realigned. A tiny seed unfolding in the womb becomes the source from which we all unfold and flower into being. We are healed. The end begins. The tomb becomes a womb. From now in him all things are realigned. Paul wrote to the church in Galatians in chapter 4 that when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor. And gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Gentlemen, will you come as we receive our offering this morning? Let us pray. Father, gracious God, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to uh, serve this body. Lord, thank you for the, the rain that we needed. Lord, we just uh, want to celebrate the day before your birth. Lord, we thank you for that. We just want to give back what's rightly yours, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, would you please stand with us and sing O Holy Night.
Bible this morning, Matthew chapter 1, hopefully a fairly easy place to find, and we'll start there in verse 18 in just a moment, as we move closer to the day that we celebrate the arrival of God's greatest gift to the world. We've been looking at in a manger about how God sent His love, His joy, His peace to us at this time of Christmas, that His promises are fulfilled. And this morning, I want us to look at the incident when love actually came down to earth. Now, many of us probably have signed one of these, addressed one of these, maybe even mailed one of these. And we can thank Englishman Henry Cole, who was a famous educator, patron of the arts, and he only had one problem in life. He had too many friends. And he was behind on his correspondence. And so in 1843, well before you could just blast out a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year on social media, he commissioned and mailed the very first Christmas card. He had a beautiful image printed on the front, which had a family celebrating with a controversial image of the family, even small children holding in their hands what appeared to be wine glasses. And on the other side, it simply had a two and a blank so he could fill in a name and the simple message, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. The cost to mail his 1000 
postcards at that time was merely a British penny. Today, if you mailed something similar, it'd cost you 63 cents, unless you're not careful and you happen to choose a square, oversized, or unusual envelope, and in that case, it bumps it up to a dollar and six cents, or maybe even more. Cards are nice. Personal notes are even a, a little more wonderful. Phone call is even better, but the best of the best, top shelf, an in-person greeting. Somebody shows up. You see a smiling face, a welcoming glance, kind words of love. And this morning, as we think about giving and gifts and in-person greetings, I want us to focus on this idea that God gave His Word so people could know Him. He sent the prophets to speak His words, to prepare the way, and then He saved the very best for His final Word. John writes, the Word became flesh. The New Testament Gospels tell us that Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem where love came down from heaven to earth. And this morning, if we could, for a few moments, just focus on this idea that Jesus came to earth as a man to reveal God to us, to rescue us, and to relate to us. I'd like us to read in Matthew chapter 1. We'll start in verse 18, read down through 25 as we share God's Word together, and then we'll pause and, and pray. Matthew writes simply, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will, give, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus, we come before your presence in your wonderful name to say thank you for the opportunity that we have on a rainy December Sunday morning, to declare with our voices the joy that came into the world when you arrived and the joy that will be fully known when you return. We thank you that a long time ago, a message revealed the shepherds was found to be true in a manger that love came to earth. And we ask that you would help us this morning as we focus our hearts on you to see the wonderful reality, fresh as if we'd only just now heard it for the first time, the truth that love came down at Christmas. 
in the person of Jesus. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So hopefully we're going to reflect a little bit on the day that love came down, where God became man and God's perfect revelation appeared. The one who was the promised rescuer, the hero of all the world, the rescuer of all in distress. The person who is able and willing to relate to every man and every woman. That's what Jesus came to do, and that's why when Jesus came, Jesus came to earth as a man. It's hard to miss in the Christmas story that Jesus' birth was unlike any other birth in history. You read in verses 1 through 17 this long list of names about one being born to another, one being born to another, or if you read the old King James, you see begat, begat, A begat B, B begat C, and before long you get all the way down to this person, Jesus. Simply means that they were the father of. Sprinkled in there, there's some names of some women that have not only questionable past, but also a Gentile origin. But we find in this story that even though we read and we see pictured in the nativity that Joseph was the father of Jesus, that Joseph didn't begat or father Jesus. It's in verse 16, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So Matthew identifies the human mother. That's easy for us to figure out. It's who? Mary. But a human father isn't mentioned. It's been one of the great wonders of Christian faith throughout all the years. We call it the incarnation. It's the time that love came down. God came to earth as a man. And we find deity and humanity in one person, the person of Jesus, the mystery that He can be 100% God and 100% man at the same time, fully divine. Conceived, the Bible tells us, by the Holy Spirit. Holding all the characteristics of God. Colossians tells us that all the fullness of God dwells in Him. And in John 1 we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But yet at the same time, 100% man, born to a human mother, Mary, grew up as a normal boy into a man in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men, had all the characteristics of a human being, all the emotions, able to identify with anyone. And as the writer of Hebrews says, he was fully human, yet he was without sin. It's truly mysterious. It's unexplainable, but yet it's essential to our Christian faith. It's so essential that it's attacked as being preposterous or unbelievable, a myth or a made-up fairy tale by atheists and agnostics and others. It's challenged by those of the Jewish faith, those that are Muslims, by Unitarians, by Jehovah Witness. How could this Jesus be both God and man? How could Christ's humanity and divine nature be so inseparably united? One being, one person, Jesus. 
and at the same time, the properties of each, being a man and being God, are uniquely preserved. And as one person wrote, Jesus was remaining what He was and became what He was not. But why did God feel that Jesus needed to come to earth as a man? And the second thing we come to is that Jesus came to reveal God to man. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that the invisible God became visible in Jesus. So Jesus is the authentic, absolute representation of God. One who far surpassed all the other previous revelations of God. He was God's final word. Read Hebrews 1. In these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. And as the Message Bible puts it, the Son, Jesus, perfectly mirrors God. So much that when Jesus was questioned by Philip, show me the Father, show us the Father, what does Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when Jesus appeared on earth, the eyes of men met the very face of God. The ears of men heard the very voice of God in ordinary lives, led by ordinary men and ordinary women, experienced the supernatural power of God. So Jesus came as a man to reveal God, but also Jesus came to rescue men and women. You know, desperate situations call for, what do we say, desperate measures? If there's a medical emergency or a fire, you call 911. I don't know what numbers you call if there's no coffee in the house, but that is definitely another very serious emergency. You might dial up the letters H-E-B and do a purchase, or you may go to Starbucks or Dutch Bros or wherever else you choose to get your coffee, but it's obvious in all those situations something needs to be done and it needs to happen quickly. However, in God's salvation plan for the world, He knew from the very beginning, the Bible says before the foundation of the world, that there would be a desperate need in the world. The world that was now filled with sin and need of salvation that was fallen and broken after Adam and Eve in the garden was in need of redemption. What was the big problem? It was sin that entered into the world and God's solution was a rescue. A Savior come to save us from our sin. With Deborah and the other ladies being involved in Embrace Grace, it's been interesting to see as those four young ladies prepared for the arrival of their children, the choosing of their names. Now, it may have been a family name. It may have been something that was special to them. But I doubt any of them had an angel appear to them and say, hey, you know what? You need to name your child this. However, that's what happens to these two parents, Mary and Joseph, She will bear a son, Joseph, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. But there's so much wrapped up in that name that we find, as Paul writes, is above every name. 
That name Jesus. Hebrew, Yeshua. Joshua. The Lord is salvation. Who was the one that God sent. That Jesus came to save His people from their sins. He's the rescuer. He's the deliverer. He is Savior. And all the hope, all the promise of the Old Testament that echoed throughout the centuries was now in person, on earth. Years before Jesus was born, in fact, centuries, Isaiah said that there would be a time when one would come who would pardon our iniquities, who would take our punishment. Ezekiel said he would take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And Daniel wrote, one would come who would end rebellion, (coughs) stop sin, wipe away iniquity, and establish everlasting righteousness. It's Daniel 9.24. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 13 said, that on that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanliness. I like reading stories about men and women of great valor. I read a story recently about 20-year-old army medic Desmond Doss. Famous but unlikely hero. He was a devout Seventh-day Adventist. He held strongly to the Sixth Commandment, Thou shalt not murder. And as a result, he refused to take up arms, but he was still willing to serve his country. Served as a medic in the Army. May 5th, 1945. He was in Okinawa, Japan. Where Doss rescued almost an entire company of soldiers. They were trying to capture strategic hill and they were cut down by Japanese machine gun fire and artillery shells. And with bullets and shells crashing all around, Doss dragged wounded man after wounded man to a shelter behind a rock. He tied a double bowling knot around their chest and their legs and lowered them about 35 feet down a cliff to safety. Over and over again, he prayed Dear God, let me get just one more. It took him all day, but he got them all. And the army estimated he saved about 75 lives. And he was later awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor by President Harry Truman. Have you ever thought about this? The Bible says it's God's desire that none would perish, that all would repent. Receive the rescue He provides. And that Jesus came to be that rescuer from a very desperate situation that even though there's no way that we could ever possibly escape on our own, that He willingly leaves the 99, hoping to rescue just one more. Oh, but that rescue comes with a purpose. Peace between God and man is possible that Jesus paid the price of our sin. He made peace by the blood of His cross. 
And because of what Jesus has done for us, we are no longer enemies. We can be friends of God, children of God. Our hope can be certain. Because love came down to rescue us so we could have a relationship with God. Jesus came to relate with men and women. There's no question technology has changed how we share personal messages. At one time, it was letters on a page written with a pencil or a pen. Then, thanks to Mr. Bell, it was voices on a telephone. Then, it became letters on a screen. And then voice and face on a screen. Each one's wonderful in its own way. They're each one useful, but none of them is a substitute for what we mentioned earlier, that in-person message. And so we could say with great confidence that Jesus was the most personal message ever sent, sent from God to the world Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew 1, 23. This joyful message that Matthew has the privilege of writing down is quoted from the prophet Isaiah. It's the promise of this one that God would send. The promise of Emmanuel mentioned in Isaiah is fulfilled in Jesus. See, God sent Jesus to earth to be with us. As Max Lucado wrote, I think it's even the title of his books, God came near to us. God, through Jesus, entered into our world. He walked in our shoes. He feels what we feel, and He knows what it's like to be human, yet He lived perfectly without sin. See, Jesus came as one of us, so He could be with us. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory is of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. An unknown writer phrased it this way, Jesus came into our zip code. He put on, flesh and, uh, put on a flesh and bone body, and He pitched His tent with us. Pastor J.C. Ryle wrote about the promise of Emmanuel to be with us daily and listen to several things that he brings out from Scripture. He came with us daily to pardon and forgive. He came to be with us daily to sanctify and strengthen, to defend and to keep to lead and to guide, to be with us in sorrow, to celebrate with us in joy, to be beside us in sickness, to be with us in health, to stay with us in life, and to be with us even in death, to exist with us in time and be with us in all of eternity. As Jesus was preparing to ascend, He promised His followers, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So as you sat here today, if Jesus is your Savior, He is no doubt your Emmanuel. He is with you. 
I don't think we have anybody in our congregation with the last name Van Sickle. I don't know all of your maiden names, but um, Dr. Van Sickle, a doctor, non-believer, set out on a mission to prove that you don't have to be a Christian to write a Christian song. He wrote out the words, first in poetic form, titled, All Hail to Thee, Emmanuel. Many years later, Dr. Van Sickle was sitting in a church service and a choir sang the words that he had written. All hail to thee, O Emmanuel, our risen King and Savior. Thy foes are vanquished, and thou art omnipotent forever. Death, sin, and hell no longer reign, and Satan's power is burst in twain. Eternal glory to thy name, all hail, all hail, all hail, Emmanuel. That moment he came under conviction by the Holy Spirit, hearing the words that he had penned, and he bowed and yielded his heart to Jesus. See, Jesus came to earth as a man to reveal God to us. The unseen God is now seen by men. He came to rescue us. He sent love, hope, peace, and joy born to us as a baby. And Jesus came to relate to us. He is our Emmanuel. There's one last R. And that R belongs to us. What is our response? He came to relate, to rescue, to reveal. How would we respond? Have we given our hearts to Him? Are we obedient to His Word? Do we trust Him in faith? No matter who you are, no matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, the truth is today Jesus can relate to you because love came down. Back in the mid-2000s, Glenn Scrivener, pastor, spoken word artist, originally born in Australia, relocated to the south of England, penned a special nativity play to be performed by children with special needs. He titled it, Heaven Came Down. And in the prologue, they remind that these wonderful children, blessings of God, would use rhyme and mime, hold up signs, even computer voices, even braying like a donkey. To remind us that Jesus came down for all of us. You can probably Google and find the video that has testimony from parents and part of the play read. But I'd like to read just the last two closing stanzas. I think they're fitting for us today. He came to our darkness from heaven above. He stooped to the crib and the cross out of love. He shared in our weakness and meekness and mess. And still He embraced us nevertheless. If you're feeling rejected, excluded, a stranger, remember the One who came down 
to the manger. No one's left out by this God becomes small. So have a blessed Christmas, one and all. Love came down in Jesus. And that means no one is left out. Let's pray. Oh Father, we are humbled by the reality that you came to earth to reveal the Father to us, to rescue us from our sin, and better yet, to relate to us day in and day out. We thank you that you are powerful, but that you're personal. Thank you that you're holy, that you're a helper. We thank you that you are eternal, which means you're always who you say you are. You'll always do what you say you'll do, and your love will never, ever, ever fail. So help us to see in the depths of our hearts the person of Jesus. Love came down. Kindle faith for the first time. Fan the flames of feeble faith. And continue to strengthen those who boldly proclaim the good news. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We'll take a moment or two to reflect. We'll have instruments play quietly. Just like for you to think of the reality of what Christmas is, what it stands for, is that God decided it was the right time to send Jesus to get us out of the mess we're in, to buy our freedom, and to adopt us as His very children. And all He asks is that we trust in Him in simple faith. The offer stands the same today as it did from the beginning. But because He humbled himself in obedience to God and suffered on the cross. He asks us to humble our hearts before him and receive the riches of heaven. Maybe you just need to say, God, fan that flame in me. Maybe it's today you say, yes, Lord Jesus, for the very first time. Or maybe you're about to leave here and go to family gatherings or be with friends and and God wants to put a joy in your life and a word on your lips to speak peace, love, joy, and hope of Christmas to those around you. So as your music plays quietly, listen to the voice of the Lord for a moment and respond as He speaks.
Amen. It's been a great privilege to share this start to Christmas Eve with you. We thank you for, for being here. Let me just remind you of our schedule for the remainder, well, not for the remainder of your day, but for the day here. Um, we'll gather back together at 6 o'clock for our candlelight service. Everyone is welcome. So if you want to bring your family, we've got plenty of room. Um, it'll last probably 30 to 35 minutes, and then you can be on your way. And if the forecast holds true, it should the rain should be moving out, and it should be a little drier arrival this evening. And so I uh, just want to remind you about that, 6 p.m. tonight. Next week, we will be on our regular schedule, so Bible study and worship at the regular times. I just want to say, um, Lord bless you. Um, may you enjoy the wonderful blessings of His love and the warm fellowship of His presence as you spend time with family, understanding that for some that is easy, for some it can be difficult, but I pray that in both the Lord's sustaining Peace and strength will be with you as you go, and may your light shine brightly as you are the presence of Christ to your families and your friends. I invite you to join. I'm in standing. We're going to sing a closing song. I think it's a bit ironic that we're going to sing Gather Round and we're going out, but that's okay. Changed it. Oh, <laughs> oh we did. we're we not going to sing that? Okay. We're going to sing Go Tell on the Mountain? Yeah. Okay. We can sing Go Tell on the Mountain as long as Mitchell swings it like a shepherd. Come on, man. Give us some good shepherd. Go tell it on the mountain.